John chapter 15. We began something last week that I am so stirred up about. I am so excited about it. And as a minister, uh, it's easy to think that whatever you're on at that particular time, it's the most important thing. It's the greatest thing you've ever seen, the greatest thing you've ever said in your entire life. Uh, But I do believe that. I believe that what you and I are into right now is, I believe it's the most significant thing that we've ever gotten into as a church, and I know we're still young together, but I do believe this, and I'm going to say it, and, and I hope you don't hear it as exaggeration, but I believe that what you and I are talking about right now not only has the power to change our lives, it has the power to save our lives. We're talking about the love of God. Knowing His love, walking in His love, showing His love to other people. And like we said last week, you know, we're, we may not be talking about faith as a topic or as a subject, but at the same time, when you're talking about love, you are talking about the thing that makes your faith work. Faith works how? By love. I like to say it like this. Your faith will work when you find out how much you're loved. That's what makes faith work. I know we're not necessarily talking about the, the, the receiving of healing for the physical body. And yet when you get rooted and grounded in the love of God, believing that God will heal you is easy because you believe how much he loves you. When you understand that God is love, then you can approach anything from the word of God with fresh eyes and fresh perspective. Does God heal? Yeah, he heals. Well, how do I know? Because love heals. This is why it's easy to believe that our God is good and that he'll do good things because just ask yourself this question, what would love do? Would love provide? Sure. Would love heal? Now, I know we're not talking about, you know, financial increase as a topic. And of course, the Bible has a lot of things to say about that. I know we're not talking about discovering your, the, the plan and call for your life, although the Bible has many good things to say about that. And yet, when you talk about the love of God, And you get a revelation of the fact that God is love, not just that he has love, he is love. And then you learn that you and I love out of the overflow of the love that we've been loved with. Your destiny is wrapped up in it. Your call is wrapped up in it. Like we've said, your healing, your, your prosperity, spirit, soul, and body. There's not one thing in our lives that's not touched by a revelation of how loved we are by God. So are we talking about faith? Well, no, but yeah, yeah. Are we talking about healing? No, but absolutely, yes. Are you following me? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So you see this in the book of John chapter 15. Red words, Jesus is speaking. And he said in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now that is the key right there. That is the key to understanding how to walk in love with the people in your life, whether it's your husband, your wife, your kids, the people on the job, the people in in the school that you attend. This is the key to doing it right here. He said, love each other as I have loved you. If you don't know how much you've been loved, there's no way for you to show that love. Oh, yeah, you can, you can scrounge something up. I mean, you can dig up something to show somebody something. And, and, and it's especially easy, you know, if, if they're being good to you, then, yeah, I can be good back. If they're showing you some kindness, yeah, I can show some back. 
If you're loving me, yeah, I can love you. But what about when they're not? What about when they ugly? What about when they're mean and rude? And what about when it's that guy you've been on the job with for 15 years and he just is getting worse day after day after day after day? How, how do you show somebody like that the love of God? Well, that's, that's where you've got to go back to how you've been loved. The Bible says he loved you when you were dead in sin, dead in trespasses. He loved you, check this out, when you hated him. And that's the kind of love that we've been shown. And if we've been given that love, if that's what's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, guess what we are carriers of? That kind of love. And now that you've got a revelation of the, the love that you've been given, now you know how to show it. Then you know how to walk in it. This is my commandment, Jesus said, that you love one another as I have loved you. We talked about that last week. I want to get into it again today. He said in the next verse, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down. Somebody say lay down. To lay down one's life for his friends. Put up that 13th verse, please, in the New Living Translation. John 15, 13, in the New Living Translation, while they look for it, let me just read it to you. There it is. He said it like this. There is, now say these next words with me, no greater love. That's the title of our series that we're in right now. There is, say it again, no greater love. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, he didn't say there is no other love. He said there is no greater love. So this is the greatest expression of love. There's no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Just that statement alone should, should serve to go to work on us right away that maybe we don't know everything there is to know about friendship. And that we think of friendship as some... I, I don't know, lesser level of relationship. And, and, and you, we, we talk that way. We mentioned this last week. We talk that way. We think that way. Oh, no, no, we're just friends. We're just friends. And the problem is the limitations that are in our own language. The English language, we use the same word to describe so many different things. I mean, take the word love itself. We, we use the word love to describe the way we feel about our spouse and the way we feel about pizza. You do know there's supposed to be a difference, right? I love her and I love this car. Guys, fellas, husbands, let me help you out. There's supposed to be a difference between the love that you have for her and the love for you, that you have for some inanimate object that can't love you back. See, our, our limitations exist here. We don't really understand the words. And when Jesus said there's no greater love then the love that you show to a friend, how could that be right? Well, you see right away, we, we don't totally understand friendship, especially in the way that he was talking about it. And we think, well, I'm married to this person. That, that's a higher level of relationship than friendship. Well, if you're not friends with the person you're married to, how good is that marriage? It's not. See, friendship is the foundation for it. And that, that, that part of it never or supposed to never go away. 
And he said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And again, we talked about this, but I want to jump back into it. To, to lay down, it's that Greek word, tithemi. We talked a little bit about that last week, tithemi. T-I-T-H-E-M-I. That would be the, the English spelling of it. And as I was studying it last week, I couldn't help but notice the word tithe right there inside that word. Now, I want to make sure you understand that, that the word tithe, the way we think of it in the, the tithing of our finances or the tithing of our increase, there's actually no linguistic connection to this word tithemi. The word tithe, you may know this, it's literally like an accounting term. It's a mathematical term that literally means tenth or, or, or the tenth, ten percent. And yet I see the same principle in, in the word that we're talking about here. And though they're not connected linguistically or in the Greek language or in the original languages that these were written in, yet I see the same principle to lay down. You'll see this again in a moment, but the same word translated lay down is also translated lay aside. Isn't that what the tithe is? Increase comes to you and you take that 10% and you honor God with it and you lay it aside and you say, this part is yours. It's not mine. It's not mine to do with what I want. It's not mine to spend on what I want. It's not mine to meet my own need with. This part is yours. And because it's yours, I'm going to lay it aside and I'm going to do with it what you want done with it. And you hear this talked about sometimes from ministers, from ministries regarding the financial tithe. You, maybe you've heard this statement before. We believe the tithe belongs to your local church. Have you heard that statement before? It's not true. The tithe, if you look at the scripture, belongs to the Lord. That's who it belongs to. And you might be thinking, wow, pastor, you're kind of taking a risk there telling people they don't have to tithe. Hey, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll do it bolder than that. You don't have to tithe here. I ain't afraid of you. <laughs> it belongs to the Lord. Now, it, it's no wonder that much of the tithe ends up in the local church. Because the Lord's planted you there, and if he's planted you there, he's got an assignment for you there that would include every part of your life, spirit, soul, body, materially, financially. And so it's no wonder. I mean, we tithe to our local church. We tithe. If you look at it from the Old Testament, it was bring the tithe to the storehouse. The storehouse was the place where people were fed from. So it's no wonder that in the New Testament application of it, you, you put the tithe into the place where you're being fed from. But, but I want you to understand that the principle of the tithe, whether you're talking about it financially or we're, whether we're sort of uncoding it out of this other word, tithemi, the principle is it's his. It's his. Not mine, not yours, his. And if it's his, it's his to do with what he wants done with it. And Jesus said there is no greater love than to lay down to tithemi, to lay down or to lay aside one's life for one's friends. And again, we are, we are so tempted to think that what, what, what he was specifically referring to in the laying down of the life was, well, that's what he did on the cross. And that is certainly what he did on the cross. But remember the verse before it. I'm telling you to love each other the way that I have loved you. Now he's talking to guys 
while the cross was still in the future. So at that point, if he was talking about the cross, he would have had to say, love each other the way I'm about to love you. That's not what he said, though. The way I have already loved you. Now, the cross, again, I'm not taking anything from that. That is the ultimate example of laying down one's life. But I can't love you that way. You can't love me. We can't love each other by going to the cross. I can't carry your sin. I can't do it. Number one, it's already been done. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? It's already been done. I don't need to go to a cross for you. You don't need to go to a cross for me. And number two, I, I, I'm not that sinless, spotless sacrifice. You, you're not that. You can't be that. So when Jesus said, love, love each other the way I've loved you, he can't just be talking about going to a cross. If he was, then there'd be none of us left. We'd have all died on a cross a long time ago. So there's got to be something else that he's referring to, right? And you see this in the book of John chapter 13. And this is why it's important when you study some of these things that you take John 13, 14, 15, all the way into chapter 17, really as a whole, because it's one very long conversation and it's mostly Jesus speaking. But you see this in John chapter 13, specifically what he was referring to when he said, this is my commandment. He said it in verse 34. A new commandment, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. How? As I am about to love you, as I'm going to love you. No, as I have already, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, he said, verse 35, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. This is the big thing, church. This is the way that we define ourselves as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not our big faith talk that defines us as believers and as disciples. It is not our hyper-spirituality, our super-spiritual nature it's not because we walk around with our eyes half rolled back in our head all the time, just in this, this euphoric state of praise and worship. Oh man, that, that guy must be born again. It, no, not necessarily. That doesn't mean anything. What is the defining characteristic of a believer, of a disciple? This love. It's this love. Because without this love, your faith is nothing. What did Paul say? I could have faith, faith that would move mountains. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. Nothing? Nothing. I'm nothing. He said, I could, I could give everything I have to the poor. I could even give my body to be burned. But if I don't do it with love, it profits me nothing. See, there's revelation in that. Evidently, your giving is supposed to not only profit the person you gave to, but the one doing the giving. Your giving is supposed to profit you. But if there's no love in it, it profits you nothing. That's why we say this week after week after week in our times of offering. We ask you, Father, to see it. Receive it from a heart of faith and a heart of love. That's the only thing that will profit you as the giver. Without this love, we are Nothing.
He said, I could, I could speak with the tongues of men and of angels. I could speak all the languages of men. I, I, I could say it in this tongue and I could say it in that language and I could sound beautiful as I speak French and I could sound angry as I speak German and I could sound, you know what I mean? I could, I could speak it in all these different languages, but if there's no love in it, what did he say? It's like a, a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Do you know what that is? You know what a clanging cymbal is? If you heard nothing but a clanging cymbal, That's my simple impression. Over and over and over. You want to know what that is? Annoying. And if you could speak all the languages of men and angels, but there's no love in it, guess what you are to the people who have to listen to it? Annoying. Annoying. But it's the love that's in it that makes it receivable, that causes somebody to hear with their heart what you're saying. It's the love that's in it. Love each other. But again, as I have loved you. And here in John 13, you see exactly what he was talking about. This is the account of the Last Supper and how after supper, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. This is what he was referring to. When he said, love like I have loved, this, this moment at this time in history is the moment Jesus was talking about. Love each other the way I have loved you. Now go back up into this chapter and look again at what he said in verse 3, what the Bible said. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Verse 4, he rose from supper and he laid aside. That's the exact same word, tithemi, translated lay down your life. Same word. He laid aside. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel. Now you study that word and it literally is a reference to an apron that a servant would put on. This is what he's talking about. Serving each other. So when he said, love each other the way I have loved you, you could say it like this and it would be nearly a word for word translation. Serve each other the way I have served you. Could that really be true? That there is no greater love than to serve somebody? That's the greatest love. The greatest of all loves is demonstrated when you and I lay aside something to put on that towel, that apron, the, the uniform of a servant and I believe this is more significant than just saying, well, you know, Jesus took one thing off and put something else on. It was more than Jesus not wanting to get his nice clothes dirty as he washed these guys' feet. It had nothing to do with that. All of it represented something. It represented what he, it represented the place he had. It represented the position he had. And you see it in the verses leading up to this. He knew where he was going. His newest time had come. He knew it had come from the Father. He was going to the Father. All things had been put into his hands. This is like supreme authority. And he took it all off. He took off his garment and he laid it aside. He tithemi. He, he laid it down. And he put something else on. This apron of a servant. You know, when you and I 
answer this call to serve one another. Don't be surprised if it requires that you take something off and put something else on. We're going to look at this, but in the book of Philippians, it talked, it talked about this, and I see it more clearly in connection to what we're talking about now than I ever have before. The Bible says that Jesus emptied himself of his mighty weight and power. One translation says he stripped himself. Does that not sound like what was going on at that last supper? He's taken these clothes off and putting these other ones on. He stripped himself of his mighty weight and power and he put on the form of a servant. For you and I to demonstrate the greatest love that could possibly be demonstrated to each other, to our friends, it will require you to take something off and put something else on. Philippians 2 says he humbled himself. Doesn't that sound like what's happening at this supper? For Jesus to do this, he had to humble himself. He went on in the very next verses and said, you call me Lord. You call me teacher. And he said, and that's right, I am. He said, but if I, your Lord and your teacher, what is Lord? That is the highest place somebody can have in the life of somebody else. And he said, if I, your Lord, the one who holds this high place, have done this for you, you need to do this for each other. He said, the servant, hear that word? The servant is not above his master. In other words, if, if Jesus has done this for us, this is how we're supposed to love each other. There will be something to lay aside. And if he had to humble himself, what are you going to have to do? Humble yourself, which means you're going to have to lay aside some pride. Amen. Shout out loud. Listen to how excited everybody is. Glory to God. You are going to have to lay aside some pride to serve each other the way he served us. Now, I told you I can't go to the cross for you, and yet I can crucify this flesh with its passions and its desires. Now, I'm not going to go to a literal physical cross. I can't. I can't take your sin. But I can and you can every single day put this flesh on the cross. But we do it for one big reason, to serve one another. And it will require that. I'm just forewarning you right now. If you're not actively serving the Lord somewhere and you're ready to get started, just be warned. It's going to require you to take off some pride and put on humility. What did 1 Peter chapter 5 say? Be clothed with humility. That's exactly what Jesus did when he put on that apron. He clothed himself with what? Humility. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.